What's going on, Diabetics Doing Things fans? That mic is a little hot. Let's tone that down a bit. Okay, we're back. Been a little bit of a hiatus, been a busy month. I got married, it was my birthday, so I took a little time for myself uh, to enjoy those things, but we're back. And in short time, it will be November 2020. Are we experiencing a little bit of National Diabetes Awareness Month burnout due to the election on November 3rd? Eritrea and I are going to talk about that today. Uh, We're also going to talk about my newfound passion, which is killing cluster flies and pest extermination. I even caught a slug on our patio the other day. I'm fully entrenched in the Texas wilderness. We're going to talk about that. Some recaps of the Myabetic Awards and talking about Myabetic TV. We're also talking about some of the events coming up in November, doing an event with our friend Lauren Bongiorno, as well as Koya and Omnipod, which will actually be announced the day this podcast is announced. We also talk a little bit about the echo chamber of social media. Wow, I cannot talk. The echo chamber of social media regarding, I think, political ideology and just the way that we kind of get entrenched in our own rabbit holes, as well as the way that we respond when there are things that we agree with versus things that we disagree with, which is really interesting. We also talk about podcasts I was on, Texas Titans podcast. Shout out to Jason Wright for having me on that. Episode 60, I believe, of that podcast, as well as episode 11 of the Like Honestly podcast by my wife, Erica Kohler. So if you want to go check those out, be sure to leave them a review and mention that you came here from Diabetics Doing Things. Okay, enough talking by me. Check out this fresh new intro music. Let me know what you think of it on Instagram at robhow 21 or at Diabetics Doing Things. Shout out to Eritrea. She definitely was the one who encouraged me to get back on my music game. Hope you enjoy. Diabetics Doing Things. Amazing stories from all over the world. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world, and I t- almost totally forgot my intro there. That's why there was that little pause. So today <laughs> is episode two of Eritrea and I's monthly kind of recap episodes, and hi, hi, so hi. she is here t- and, and joining me today on our uh, on our pod. What's up, Eritrea? Hi, 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 hi. How's it going, guys? Glad to be here again. Uh, how are you enjoying your fame from? Uh, the, uh, it was our highest number of downloads ever was, uh, was September. It wasn't because of our podcast we did together, but it was, yeah, my eyes got so big. I was like, what? So what, what have you been doing with your newfound fame? Uh, you know, ignoring the DMS as always, um, keep it on, say, on my same stuff, you know, no, um, the diabetics doing things fame has actually been kind of cool. Uh, I don't think it's fame, but I have made some new friends. There have been a few, younger folks who have reached out to me that they listened to our episode and I got a little creeped out by some of them. I was like, how did you find me? And they're like, diabetics doing things. I'm like, oh yeah, that is something that I This do. is a syndicated pod. So yeah, that, that is a job that I have. So uh, yeah, it's been really cool. It's been fun. I love getting to know new people. It's been fun. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the interesting things about podcasts versus like other media is they're like globally syndicated. So I think when people are searching for diabetes podcast or whatever, or they get recommended something or a friend sends them something, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, the, the reaches of that. So I know we have listeners in like India, South Africa, all of the English speaking, uh, foreign countries pretty much, which is, which is cool because I don't speak any other languages. Shame on me. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, today is October 23rd. We're going to publish this, uh, next week. So it'll, I guess it'll go live on Tuesday, which is the 27th. So we're a few days away from National Diabetes Awareness Month, which I want to get your thoughts on this a little bit. And I know we have some election stuff to talk through because that's what's going on here in the U.S. of A. U.S. and A. Um, I think National Diabetes Awareness Month, I think the election has scared away the brands. I think that the brands are being conservative they're probably also having to spend more on advertising because of the election and november and election years is always historically pretty quiet outside of uh the election stuff so i think this is going to be a pretty quiet national diabetes awareness month that's my prediction 
Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, like you said, we have a presidential election happening and it's, um, I don't want to say it's a pretty important election, but I don't know if anybody's going to want to take away from that attention at the very beginning of the month. Maybe we'll see more things pop up towards the 14th, towards, you know, the mid November, but the internet is a scary place right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always sort of been scary, but, um, <laughs> Like you said, those young, those young people, um, and uh, and also the old people. God, uh, watching the debate last night for the brief period that I did, uh, I've already voted, by the way. So uh, this is this me it's too. A, it's a moot point, but um, I was like, man, if I wanted to watch two seventy-five-year-olds fight, I would just send a Zoom invite to a nursing home and see, and or you know, like send an iPad to a nursing home and see, like you know, how, I mean, how do I turn this on? It's it's truly drunk people at Waffle House at 2 a.m. vibes. Big times. So I agree with you there. Um, there were just a lot of ridiculous things that I think were said last. I mean, they're doing that fact-checking thing on Twitter. And so, like, everything he's saying is obviously not true, right? Um, but there's just, like, a few little things that he said that I was just like, I'm sorry, sir, what? <laughs> yeah, I, it, you know, I will say the, the mute button is is a great tool. Uh, it was at least you could watch some of it and you got to hear both candidates for equal amounts of time. Um, there was, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but obviously like that's occupying the bulk of America. I take full attention. responsibility for this, Rob. It's, it's all my fault. It's China's fault. All of it. Like. Right. <laughs> this part of the podcast for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, Excellent paraphrase. I, I really like that. I my favorite quote from last night, and then we'll move on. Was <laughs> I was a businessman doing business, uh, and that's my new. That's my new. Uh, like whenever I'm doing something wrong at work, I'm just like I was a businessman doing business. Oh my that's god! Be the end of it. Sad. So sad. So yeah, we're experiencing election burnout. Um, what's cool though is the election turnout which uh, especially here in Texas is extremely high. So um, the amount of people who voted early, I think exceeded the total number of people that voted last election. So yeah. that's good. I, I feel like civic responsibility for uh, people our age, like so like millennials and then even younger people, Gen Z now, was not something that was super important uh, over the last 10 years and is now uh, very much in the forefront, very much in the conversation, very much in the culture. And, you know, I was probably wrongfully ageist earlier, making fun of our, our two candidates, but something that uh, baby boomers and older generations really take pride in is their civic duty of voting. And I think uh, it's a good thing that now more people are taking that responsibility. So, uh, yeah, I think it's OK. So I, it's quick story. Um, so I went to vote with my mom and. So my mom was an illegal immigrant to the United States for a long time um, to the point where when she was pregnant with me, she was even though she was a resident at that point, she was still crossing the border illegally because she just thought that's what you were. That's what G's do. That's how you do it. So um, she recently she became a citizen like 10 years ago, but she's never voted before. And this was the first time we got to go together. I, you know, this is not my first time voting, but I was really excited to take her. And she was so impressed with the old ladies that were there because everybody who greeted us was elderly. The person who tried to help her at the ballot was elderly. Uh, the lady who gave her her sticker at the end was like a super old lady. So it's very sweet to see them care so much about our democracy. Um, and it is very concerning for what are we going to do when these awesome people leave the planet? Cause like now I got to replace them and it's a concern, but yeah, I thought that was, I think it's great to see how much the boomers care about us being able to vote. And it's probably because, when they were little, some people couldn't vote. So stuff like that. I think that for sure. And I think also there's just, uh, I don't know, in that values equation of uh, civic responsibility and loyalty to country and things like that. Um, you know, I, I've yeah. heard from in conversations from people like that. If you don't vote, then you don't get to, you know, I think it was like a prerequisite prerequisite uh, for opinion sharing. And I think if you're not willing to participate and I, and I, I believe in this in a lot of ways, showing effort, showing up and participating is a great entry point to change and, 
you know, being part of a bigger discussion. So overall, I yeah. think it's good. I'm glad we went to go vote. I'm glad my mom saw the value in it and I'm pretty sure she'll be voting more now. So I think that was That's cool. Great. She was really happy about it. So I'm happy too. Great. Well, then I'm so glad that my burnout turnout pun, um, that wordplay was a real risk, but it looks like it turned it. Uh, oh no, it did. It worked out. Yeah. yeah that was look cool. at that. Super organic. Thought? Okay. So in my burnout, uh, in my sort of post-wedding, newlywed brain mentality. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You got married. That's right. I did. You I got married. You can't just like post-newlywed skip over. No, 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 bro. That's right. I, I'm a ring guy. Like I flex the ring all the time in like my IG stories, just like low-key because it's like I got my jewelry on. Um, oh, my but God. They, um, got his bling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's very traditional, guys. It's a gold band. Uh, so... 10 bands, 50 bands. Um, it's nice, even though your hand is humongous. So it's like a very small piece of his hand. But correct. no, I mean, it's there. Yeah. I can see it. Great. Erica. Yeah. It even ha- yeah, it has our initials engraved on the inside. It's super sweet. So oh. we got married uh, with just our parents in our backyard. My friend Andrew uh, married us. It was great. It was sweet. It was very different than the party that I wanted to throw. Um, those of you who know that I like, I'm a little bit extra. And we had this really exciting party to plan uh that we ultimately didn't get to because of covid i don't know if you guys have heard of covid big deal um but uh if not shoot us an email but uh yeah it was in our backyard it was super small but we wanted to keep our date 10 10 2020 and um that was a date that we had in mind since we got engaged and we were able to do that and it was really sweet and uh, i'm a big wife guy now love my wife Super big shout out to everybody who participated in my, and I don't know if Rob knows about this yet, but my secret drip mission that was in there this month. So uh, this month in our episode of the drip, I let our readers know that Rob was getting married. And so I put his registry out there so that people could buy his stuff (laughs) without his permission. So I just wanted to give them a shout out for that. But yeah, no, we're super excited for Rob and his new married man journey. Um, I mean, has the first week been different? How's his last week been? Still, uh, you know, I got to introduce myself as Erica Kohler's husband uh, to one of her coworkers uh, that I was meeting in a different context, and I was like, you know what, this is kind of solid. I kind of dig this. So, um, I might change my LinkedIn to Erica Kohler's husband. So I think that's just like I mean, a it's good not a intro. bad description for you or bio. I I would agree that that's that fits. It fits. <laughs> yeah. So. Part of that planning, though, when you do your own wedding and like in your backyard, uh, the responsibility comes on the man to depest the yard. And wow. we had some flies. You know, I bought a mosquito fogger because we had dinner outside. We sat around the table. It was like, you know, really romantic and sweet. Um, and, you know, candlelight. And, you know, you don't want to be getting chewed up by mosquitoes during that time. So no, I got a fogger. That's not the vibe. That's not the vibe. That's not the vibe, right? You don't want a fly landing on like your food. So. I got this little fly trap. I went to Home Depot, my local Home Depot, and I masked up and was like, hey, employee, I need some help with flies. Like, I'm willing to try anything. I need I need some help. And so he was like, okay, well, you know, we have these sprays, like, but these traps actually work really good. And I was like, there's no way. Like, these really work? He's like, yeah, just, just buy like one or two of them and try them out. So I was like, okay. So... Saturday before our wedding, I went out and I fogged the backyard and I rigged up a fly trap behind our fence because we had had flies. I was like, okay, well, I'll just set up this fly trap and, you know, some of these flies will will come in there. And the trap said it held 20,000 flies and it's like as big of, it's like a quart probably. I was like, yeah, right. That's too many flies. It'll never catch that a many flies. A lot of dead flies. I don't have that many flies. Like a Ugh. big time fly denial. Um, So like, our wedding is at like six o'clock. And for those of you who are not big fly nerds, you don't know that four to like 7 p.m. late in the day are premium fly hour because uh, the as the sun sets in the west, it heats up parts of houses and fences and flies need heat. So they were going there. And yo, this trap was bumping during our wedding. It was just like, at, like we're just like swarmed around it. I was like, this is not good. But they weren't nearby they weren't by the house they were by the fence so i was like okay small win so after the wedding i went back out and checked the trap and there were hundreds of flies in there so like i do started sharing that journey on 
Instagram stories <laughs> and goofing around and kind of having a lot of fun with it. And then I went back to Home Depot to get more fly traps, which they are now sold out of because I bought all of them. And in the last two weeks since I've been married, not, uh, it'll be two weeks tomorrow, I've caught 60,000 plus flies. <laughs> Jesus, be offense. So, um, <laughs> Oh my God, that's a lot of bodies. Oh, bodies on top of bodies. My body count, fly, my fly body count is outrageous. <laughs> and like, I have to believe that there's some sort of like bunker where these fly generals are like taking off, like they have their little battlefield map and they're like taking off like their little fly, you know, army pieces. And like a picture of me is up on the wall and they're like throwing darts at it because. You know, it's crazy that you say that because literally in my head, I'm just thinking Rob's wedding or the red wedding. Like were those flies down there like this guy really thinks he's got us. I'm like, I'm Walder Frey to these flies. Oh my God, don't, I hate you. Don't come up into my house. Uh, I, it was, you know. Uh, do you know how it ended for Walder Fly for Mr. Frey? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he, cool. yeah, he ate a pie. Ugh, if I have to eat a pie full of flies, it's going to be gross. Um, so anyway, um, Lord of the Flies. Rob on my Instagram, I Lord of the Flies. I it is I the DIY fly guy. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not to plug my fly obsession, which is very healthy and honestly has given me a lot of life and keeping me very entertained. Um, <laughs> but so I guess it was. Probably close to 10 years ago, summer 2011. So, yeah, nine and a half years ago, I was working at USA Boxing and it was a world championships camp. And so we had, like, uh, I don't know if you guys follow boxing, like Earl Spence, Marcus Brown, Jamel Herring, um, Cam, my buddy Cam Awesome, there, uh, Jesse Hart, a bunch of like very successful professional boxers. Name now, drops on name drops on name drops. Freddie Roach was there, you know, big time, big time stuff. Uh, Adrian Broner was there. We'll talk more about that later. Oh, okay. Oh, word. I was like, oh. Yeah, Adrian Broner and I used to play one-on-one basketball like every day for like six months. We were like best buds. It was great. Um, Anyway, uh, I remember that day, like I was going through a breakup and I wanted to change my Twitter handle name. And so I changed it from Rob M. Howe to Flyabetes with two Ys. So... Uh, in my Twitter, my first like public diabetes declaration, flyabetes. The reason it has two eyes, you probably don't know who Chris Douglas Roberts is. There's probably like five people who listen to this who know who Chris Douglas Roberts is. He played for the Memphis, uh, University of Memphis, Memphis Tigers. Um, on, he was on the team with Derrick Rose that made the, the championship. Lefty, okay. six seven, really solid basketball player. Played in the NBA for a few years, was not like great in the NBA, washed out after a couple of years, played overseas, but he just had this like persona of swag. He used to refer to himself as fresh. He was like very much like, uh, you know, for a young guy like myself who was looking for an egotistical male role model of his same age, he was like perfect criteria. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to name myself Flyabetes, but with two Ys, even though the one Y was like available. So... Wow. Anyway, that was my first diabetes public declaration. I remember having the conversation with Jamel Herring, who noticed he's very Twitter savvy. He remembered me. He's like, Rob, did you change your Twitter name? I was like, yeah. So anyway, there's fly in the name. So I think it's a guy thing. Noticing Twitter handle changes? No, the fly thing. I think the fly thing is a guy thing, isn't it? Like fresh fly, like that kind of. No, sir. Like the way that men get obsessed with their yards and they're like the. the oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, like, let's let's be flies. honest. We moved yeah. into this house in July, and then like I immediately got a garage gym, and like you know, I'm just fully suburban dad. Like I'm ready to I'm ready to have a couple kids. You know, ready to go to t-ball. Uh, you know, like I'm I'm fully in. No, 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 pump the brakes. First of all, it's been interesting to watch you grow into this suburban husband man. Uh, maybe pump the brakes on the kids part. It's unexpected though, right? It was yeah, like, like Rob's not going to, and then like, I just dove right in and I was like, this, this is very, I don't know. I took the garbage out this morning in the rain. I'm that guy. Wait till you get your honeydews list. Oh, I have all, I painted, who do you think painted the stairwell before the wedding? It, it, oh I'll give God. you a quick hint. It was not Erica. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Um, so, um, speaking of Erica, yeah. I was on her podcast, like honestly, uh, last week. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts. So this is the first of two that we'll talk about. 
did like honestly with Erica. We talked about the male perspective on their podcast, which is about sex and sex toys and female empowerment, women empowerment. I'm trying like f- also using the word female is like a definitely like an athlete thing or like a yeah, and, and it's super negative. So I don't want to like I want to I want to yeah. address that. Uh, people that refer to women as females mean it in a disrespectful way. I, I typically. I can, yeah, I concur, I guess, unless it's, it, it needs context. But most Correct. of the time, you're talking about women, and you don't call them girls, and you call them females, probably in a derogatory way. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm willing to buy that. Um, so, women empowerment, women's issues, women's perspective on these various issues. So, if you're interested in that, like, honestly, episode 11, uh, we talk about a lot of a lot of juicy stuff. So, uh if you are above the age of 18, you should go listen to that if you want. Um, put a trigger warning in our episode about the fact that you're mentioning that episode. <laughs> yeah, we should. Maybe we should. Yeah, I don't know. That I'll, We'll put a trigger warning in the episode. But yeah, so it's a good podcast. It's a good episode. I thought it was very... Um, I thought it was very tasteful. I didn't think that it's, I don't think that they talk, they talk about the topic in a way that's like, ill, cringe, gross. I think it's very informative and could be a good conversation if you have never heard something like that before. Also very interesting to hear Rob talk like that. So definitely check it out. That's really the plug here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, support your wife always, I think is the, is, is the ultimate yeah it's really sweet to watch that actually to see how uh how you're her number one cheerleader it's 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 really really sweet well i love it but i also if i wasn't i'd have problems so uh (laughs) you know um anyway moving on to the next one the next podcast i was on is called texas titans uh which is a podcast by jason wright who i got introduced to by allison who uh is the cpa for diabetics doing things and for recreation is a good friend of mine uh, she recommended me to that, and I think it's probably the best podcast that I've done about sort of my whole life. So, life with diabetes, life at the agency, life in general. Um, I thought it was good. It was interesting. Um, it's a long one, uh, but if you like long podcasts, I don't know how many of you guys are commuting or like walking on a daily basis or something, but would be a good one to recommend if you're looking to learn more about me and what I do from a business standpoint. Or even just like diabetes, being a male growing up, and then also how it like has led, like how I think it was really interesting to learn about how like, even though things didn't play out 150% how you wanted, there was still so much growth. And that was really interesting to listen to. So I enjoyed it. Definitely check it out. Yeah, I I guess, I mean, from your perspective, because I I didn't know that you listened to it until today, obviously, but um, what do you remember that was like either like, oh, I didn't know that or, oh, that makes sense? Oh, I didn't know you played for the Harlem Globetrotters, dude. I didn't. Really? That's like my claim to fame. I I don't Google you often. I'm trying to be like organically, you know, we're homies. So no, I didn't. But I I mean, I knew you wanted to play in the NBA, um, but I, I guess I never sat down and thought about like, how maybe crushing it could be that like that dream was like right there and then it, it wasn't, you know? So it was, I guess my takeaway was just kind of like how you found a way to still be successful, even though it didn't play out the way you wanted it to. And I, I find that a lot of times the most successful people are like that. Um, so he definitely gave me, and I'm fangirling right now, guys, a little bit more to like admire about you and be like, yeah, Rob's, I mean, I already knew this, but he's not a quitter. Like he's, it's, it's one way, like he's going to be what it's going to be. So I appreciated learning more about you in that context via a podcast. that didn't have anything to do with diabetes. Like diabetes is a part of you, but it's not all of who you are. And I would say that in that interview, it may be made up 15, 20% of the interview while the rest of it's like actually Rob stuff. And I felt though, because Jason's daughter lives with diabetes, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So the pretext of the con like the reason that we got introduced was because of that primarily, I, I suppose. Al- I mean, Allison knew that there were, there were like, you know, a lot of things that we would agree on. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to have a discussion. And I think I've been very fortunate recently to have diabetes discussions outside of this diabetes forum. So whether it's this podcast or it's um, diabetes, Instagram, diabetes, Twitter, diabetes community, I have struggled with in the past 
making the stories that resonate with people with diabetes resonate with people who have no connection to diabetes. And I think a lot of organizations would also tell you that it's hard if you don't have an immediate tie to get somebody to donate or get somebody to participate because there's nothing that's really like paying that off for them. So I've tried to get better about that. And I think that express opportunity was one that sort of was that I knew going into it was like, none of these people give a shit about diabetes. Um, <laughs> on Like, it's not that they don't care, but it doesn't relate, you know, they don't have anything to relate to it. So how can I make them care about it in a way that's not talking down to them, makes it accessible and just tells them what people with diabetes are going through. And so, um, yeah. And I mean, the other piece is like, yeah, I fail all the time. So, um, you know, even at basketball or whatever, um, I was thinking about this. My, one, my assistant, he's an assistant coach at my college now and has been for the last few years. Um, my junior year, he was a senior and we were like workout partners that like we were paired up together in practice all the time. And the previous year he had had, uh, like one of the other players that like the coach, like, and like, they were like going to be roommates. And like the first day they were together, like this other guy, like who had major anger problems, like they got in this huge fight and like the guy tried to run him over with a car, <laughs> like a terrible thing. And like, then the, then that guy sort of created this narrative that Alex, the guy who uh, I'm talking about, like was this, you know, not a good teammate and not a good guy. And it was like, totally not true. Like Alex was just like the most, yeah. Anyway, it was um, drama. It, it big time male drama. I was like so scandalous. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So um, huge, huge, huge. Uh, you know, rift. And when you're like 19, I think, which I was at the time, you know, and all my peers were like, you don't know what to believe. Like you're, co- you just kind of like, hey, like I'm just here to play basketball, whatever. But something that I didn't know at the time was like I. I didn't, I knew Alex as a good guy. And so like, I wasn't going to just write him off. And, mm-hmm. and so I was just like, Hey, I treated him like a person. And, and so anyway, um, one of my, so anyway, my junior year, then we worked out together every day and Alex ended up playing and like being pretty, you know, he, it was like third team all conference or something. And I didn't play very much until the very end of the year. And we were in this conference game. So if you don't play sports, like conference games are like the most important because they, help you make the playoffs in the postseason or whatever. And we were playing in this close game at home and I was the best dunker on the team, uh, my junior and senior years. Um, but I didn't play very much my junior year. So, um, you know, when you don't play a lot, you try to like just do good things to stay in the game so they don't pull you out. So right. Alex and I get on this like weird fast break and he like, it, it's like a two on one and he ends up throwing it off the backboard to me. Like, and I caught and dunked it like off the backboard at home in a conference game, which nobody else on any of the team, like the whole four years I was there ever did. Um, like, and you know, the whatever 150 fans that were at the game were like going ballistic. And I almost passed out screaming, <laughs> running back to the bench after they called timeout. But I just remember like that moment, Alex trusted me and like nobody else on the team was going to do that for me in that moment. Like you got to have, if, if that messes up, that's his fault because he could have shot a layup, you know? And yeah. so he did that. And then in the postseason, he won like the athletic director award for the whole athletic comp or the whole athletic department. And we wow. had this like Oscars style, like award ceremony, athletic banquet. And he, in his acceptance speech was like, I just want to tell all of you guys something you should appreciate Rob Howe and what he brings to the table more because he comes to work every day. He doesn't complain and he's super talented. And, and I was just like, you know, I had no idea he was going to say that. And in front of like all my friends and like my coach and the entire like athletic department, I was like dating a girl on another team at the time. Like it was like very, I knew everybody. Uh, I was like, holy shit, nobody else would have done that for me. Even like my best friends who I lived with, you know, that, that's just not their personality. So last week I remembered all of that. And because like one of my other teammates was talking about, he's a coach now and was talking about his guys And so I texted Alex and I was like, Hey man, I was just thinking about all this and you like being a professional athlete is a big part of my story now. And I just think back to those days, like going one-on-one with him in practice where I wasn't playing. That was pretty much the highlight. Then he threw me that lob off the backboard. And then he said that stuff in front of the athletic department and that, you know, in a small, maybe big way at the time, gave me confidence and gave me some fuel to continue to go forward. 
and, you know, make being a pro athlete part of my story where it could easily have not been. And so I was just like, I told him, I was like, that's the type of guy that your team needs to know that you are. That's the type of teammate that you were. Um, and so we had like a bro hug moment. Oh, like, all the feels, man. Yeah. Oh, this story is so sweet. Yeah. And I, I don't know, man. It was just like, I, and I don't talk to him very often and like, we're both doing our thing, but I was just like, you know, I think guys especially don't do that as much, you know, and there's always a good reason not to do something like that. But, um, I don't know, just remembering those little moments of people who, um, gave you a little bit of an edge or a little bit of fuel or a little bit of encouragement that made a huge difference. Looking back now that I'm old uh, and you know, getting my feelings about this shit um, <laughs> was, I don't know, it just made a huge difference to me, especially when there were a lot of people who rightfully like weren't betting on me being a good player, like because right. I, they had no evidence to do that. But he was a guy that worked with me every day. He knew what I was capable of and he made me better. <clears throat> and frankly, made me show up every day because he was going to go at me. He didn't care who played or who didn't play. This is the type of guy he was. And that's why he's a good coach. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was a long, a long way around, but yeah, I did play against the Harlem Globetrotters and Alex was a big part of that. Also like small moments. Like it's, it seems like it was very, maybe like an insignificant amount of time in which it happened, but it was like, like the moment itself, but it was so impactful and to just kind of bring it full circle for you. Imagine how many uh, people you are that for, Rob. I know that there's a lot of people out here there who feel very like inspired, even when you send them a message, like or like when you interact with them or you tell them they're doing a great job or whatever, or, like even your fly content during COVID. So uh, I say all that. I say that to sum up what Rob was saying, and it's just be kind to people. It's important to make them feel good because that's what they were going to remember is how you made them feel when maybe they weren't feeling so great. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a, that's a great way to sum it up. And like, I do mean that stuff. Like I really do. Uh, that stuff matters to me. I love people and I, I love when people are being passionate about something or trying and working hard at something and maybe not seeing results right away, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, are, are in it to win it. So stick with it. If you're listening to this and you're like discouraged or you're burnt out, I've been there. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to see what you, uh, what you come up with once you get through that stuff. For sure. Okay, moving on to some things coming up. Um, this weekend, actually tomorrow, is the Myabetic Awards. So it's the second annual Myabetic Awards. Last year was in LA, and I was the host. I am still the host. Second year. Second year. <laughs> repeat. Can't wait for the three-peat when we're like in person. That's going to be... I'm going to go so wild, guys. It's going to be like... I'm going to take it very personally, very Last Dance style. Just going to be oh, Michael Jordan with my now. tall glass of tequila and like it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess um, awesome. but uh very very cool format to the awards a little bit different this year to honor people who have just been sharing their story so there's like post of the year awards and like five or six different categories um some pretty cool people from the diabetes community who are uh, introing some of the awards and um you know ultimately i think is a celebration of who we are as a diabetes community at times and and also like the fact that this is even a thing is cool um, and that it even exists. So I'm just happy to be a part of that. And I hope that we can continue to have some fun. Um, and, you know, I got to do some fun bits in the house and it was very, you'll get to meet producer Rob, who is my, my twin. Uh, and he's uh, very opinionated. So um, especially about my performance, it was, it was, things got pretty touch and go there between me and producer Rob. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the Myabetic Awards. Um, I love your alter egos. I can't like now. I'm excited to watch that just so I can meet all of your alter egos. It's probably the best part now. Well, yeah, you know, those of you who watched Rob Howe's a live show know Kurt Howe, my cousin Kurt. That guy. I know he blocked me. I don't know if we're ever gonna get back. That in, in money touch. hungry scumbag. I know that sponsor. He, you know, he's out there taking away those sponsorships uh, and just pocketing <laughs> them. It's just, it's ugly. He's just getting new veneers on his teeth. Anyway, we'll have to bring him back at some point, try to reach out. Maybe I'll write him a letter for the holidays. If you bring him back, let's just get him a better weave because that was not it. You know, but it's been a while since we've seen him. So maybe he got a different wig, different haircut. You know, we can figure that out. We can take him to a barbershop. <laughs> you know, with COVID, it's not, not always easy to, you know, have access. At that point, everything was still in lockdown. So, you know, barbershops were shut oh, down. Yeah. So we can maybe give him a pass there. Um, 
Also this month, uh, a cool thing that I've been asked to be a part of is called Together T1D, which is an event that our friend Lauren Bongiorno is putting on. And uh, it's sponsored by Koya and Omnipod. So uh, Lauren doing big things as usual, friend of the pod, uh, friend of diabetics doing things, actual friend of mine in real life. Uh, very cool that she's kind of uh, putting this big event on together to celebrate Omnipod's 20th anniversary and also her 20th anniversary, uh, November wow. 1st. So uh, 20 years with diabetes, 20 years in diabetes. Uh, I'm going to be there. I sent over my talking points. Uh, should be fun. Hope to see a, a bunch of you guys there and, and also you know meet some new friends. Should be a cool virtual event. Really excited about that. That's so cool. I didn't know Lauren was already in her second uh, decade of diabetes. I have this and I'll, we can talk about this offline, but I have this like thought process of like first decade and second decade and how like interesting it can be. So that, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. Hmm. Congratulations, Lauren. Yeah. Congrats to Lauren. Um, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Let's, let's like put a pin in that, uh, because I think that'd be an interesting to- topic maybe in November for our November pod. Um, because my first and second decades with diabetes, like obviously couldn't be more different. So, um, interesting to hear your, your theory. Yeah. Um, okay. You've got a couple, a couple of things that you have on your docket that, you know, I have not covered yet. So, uh, um, well, well, like coming up. Okay. Well, I have, I have one thing, but I didn't tell you about it. So if you want me to plug it, I can. Yeah. Plug it. I don't know. Actually, then I don't know what this is. No, I really didn't even tell you. I was just going to pop it in at the end. Um, so I did my friend's podcast, uh, type one diabetic. Her name is Lala Jackson also known as Hey Lala on Instagram. Um, Shout and out she, Pamela Lala Jackson. Don't don't talk about my girl like that. I will fight you. But Sorry. Yeah, I, okay, yeah. I didn't want to use her to call her by her government name. But yeah, yeah, don't Shout call her by her government name. Uh, actually, I was uh, recently in New York, and I got to meet her in person, and uh, she told me that she's actually named for her grandma. So that was her grandma's oh, name. Wow. And uh, yeah, her grandma's a really cool lady, so that Pamela Lala. But she has a podcast named uh, Who Made You Great? And I'm going to be on it and the episode will be out 1114. We've already recorded it. So uh, if you hear me talk about my parents, <laughs> you should listen to that uh, because it's a really, I hope it's really good. I feel like I talked way too much. As I tend to do, but yeah, uh, that's one thing I have going on in November. I'm not sure what you want me to plug in. Oh, uh, I thought we were going to talk a little bit about social media, which we can do. Um so you, first of all, before, uh, before we end this, uh, talking about Lala, uh, very cool, more diabetes podcast. Uh, Lala also lives with type one and, yeah. uh, worked, has worked at JDRF and works at beyond type one currently. So she's a friend, friend of the program. Friend of my heart. I love her so much, honestly, just an amazing person. And I think that what she's doing at who made you great is awesome. There's a, there's been a real, there's been some famous people on there. The fact that there's like, like uh, there's this girl on Twitter, Bassy World. She's very, very popular, but she did her podcast and she's super famous. So like the fact that I'm like grouped in with people who matter is a big deal to me, but yeah. <laughs> uh, just because you're famous, this is actually a perfect transition. Um, <laughs> just because you're famous does not mean you matter. I think that's, <laughs> you matter if you're not famous, I, th- I would argue. So <laughs> this is perfect, perfect transition. This is why I am a podcast host uh, and host with the most, they there earlier this week, maybe last week, there was because uh, on Twitter you can put four images together, right? So oh, they, the four Chris's. They put the four oh Chris's up. So this is you wanted to talk about this as like the echo chamber, right? Yeah. So okay. So earlier this week there was somebody made a. It was a poll, and this is kind of what's frustrating to me because it was just a poll, and people were answering to it genuinely and honestly. Um, and it was about Chris. It was the four Chris's, which is like Chris Hemsworth. Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, and then Hottie McHottie, Chris Pine. Um, and you so stand, everybody... wait, will you stand Chris Pine over the Hold other Hold on, Chris's? this is a Chris Pine household. My husband is a huge Chris Pine fan. I love Chris Pine. He, uh, Unstoppable with Denzel Washington, like uh, a top 10 movie of the 2010s. Hassan has watched every single Chris Pine movie. There's one with like Reese Witherspoon where he, she has to like choose between Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. And that's his favorite movie. I don't know what that movie's okay. called. Yeah, but... I, I know. It, and they're both like assassins or something. Something like that. See a terrible premise, but like I mean, I'm I'm sold. I mean, I love they're Tom both Hardy fine. As well. I mean, yeah. he likes the action and Chris Pine. I like the fine dudes and whatever. So it works out in my house. Anyway, 
the point is there was a poll and essentially a lot of people including myself were like Chris Chris Pratt he can go okay he is very QAnon weirdo anti-women vibe like he's just gross icky nasty gotta go and the internet agreed and for some reason I'm not sure why this happened but I have noticed that it happens a lot when something happens to a white man and this happened in my life before everybody gets on the phones and starts calling each other and they're just like how are we gonna help our poor fallen Joshua comrade not die like how do we help this white person not get eviscerated by everybody and I just I don't understand the need for the Marvel universe to post on Twitter what a great guy he is the issues with Chris Pratt are still valid even if he's your buddy so well and I mean let's be let's be fair you can be a great guy and still do despicable things no you can't you cannot be a great guy and do despicable things that no you you don't think so you don't you don't think that there are people that are nice in person and are like friendly and like good guys that behind the scenes do despicable things i don't think you can be a good guy and do despicable things i think you can be a fake guy and do despicable things you know i can't i can't ever say someone's like oh he's my really good friend and he beats his wife. Like, no, that doesn't work for me, fam. Like, it's it, they're they're related to each other, right? Because at some point, you have to make a decision. Like, you're either co-signing the behavior or it's you are who your friends are, right? And so, if you're go if you're if you're gonna go to bat for somebody, and it just kind of specifically to this Chris Pratt situation, if you're gonna go to bat for somebody, why him? What about when everybody was hating on Brie Larson because she was Captain Marvel? What about when, uh, what's her name? Vanessa, is it Vanessa Thompson? When she was Valkyrie in the Thor movie, she got a lot of hate for being a black woman who was playing that character. There was so much hate being thrown Uh, at women. Tessa Thompson, yeah. Tessa Thompson, yeah, she's so beautiful. So much hate being thrown at these women. And all these men sat back and were like, it's fine. We don't care about that. It's no big deal. But the minute somebody throws one rock in Chris Pratt's very glass house, you guys go crazy. And that's really the thing is just I don't understand this fragility of criticism that makes you be like, hey, I need my army to come defend me because everyone's being so mean to me on the Internet. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, I guess, like treatise on accountability culture. Right. So do you get to be because like one of the let's let's talk about Chris Pratt's de-evolution, devolution, because five or six years ago, he was like married to Anna Ferris. Uh, they had a cute little family. He was a family first, like lovey-dovey guy, goofy, Parks and Rec, um, you know, not really super successful as a Hollywood leading man. Uh, and then he like lost 20 pounds, got some pecs and like, you know, his life changed. Get a J Law movie. <laughs> oh God, I, I never saw that movie, but I heard it was awful. Um, Why do Hus loves it? So it's all, but I've seen it like four times. <laughs> okay, so there is a movie where they're in space, and it's just like them the whole movie, right? But at that point, like right in leading into that, I was like, okay, like Chris Pratt's divorced. Oh no, he's like donate. He's like a member of this church who, despite you know promoting Christian values, uh, donates all this money to like anti LGBT hate groups. And, you know, make America great again uh, ties like really, you know, despicable shit. And so it's like you can't do both. Right. Like and I think that's what's so interesting to me of like, I think the biggest thing you said earlier, you're going to be on a podcast where there are famous people. So it feels like you matter. We need to, as a culture, stop idolizing famous people. And I say that as a person who's like actively out there trying to get people to like follow trying him, to so. become a famous person and it's like you know i don't but again like i think we have these like mouthpieces like uh people like jason whitlock who are like literal the scum of the earth but they just say things that stir up the mob um and this I sort mean, of like propaganda culture that uh you know i think trump benefits from greatly um you know, those things are, are anyway, we got to stop. I don't like these people have major flaws. There's like that thread about us presidents and all like the terrible shit that every single one of them has done. And it's like, and all the way, way back to the originals. Um, 
deplorable stuff. So why are we celebrating them as people? You know, so, um, and I think that's also part of being a human is that like you make mistakes and you don't always do things that are right, but there is a certain point, an ethical line where you can't support what that person stands for. When I saw that tweet, I think Mila Clark Buckley, the hangry woman, tweeted it. She's like, this is honestly really easy for me. And I responded and said, me too. Uh, I'm not taking, like, first of all, even just like on merit, I'm taking Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, and uh, Chris Evans over Chris Pratt anyway. Um, but then it's like, yeah, I know that Chris Pratt sucks. <laughs> so like. I'm, yeah, there's, I mean, like you said, the other three guys are just, if you write down like the things about like, okay, Chris Hemsworth is married to a Mexicana, one, and he speaks Spanish. Two, what's, what's the other guy? Chris Pine, fine as hell. Who was the third guy? Chris Evans. We got to see his nude the other day. You are not, he, you cannot compete with these people, Chris. Chris I, Pratt. I, I loved that. So I did not see Chris Evans leaked pictures. I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I mean, but. I did. They were great. But like I loved his response. He was like, uh, some please vote. pictures came out and like, please vote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty funny. He's like, now that I have the entire universe's attention, please vote. Our planet is on fire and I'm very scared. <laughs> That's from Captain America, guys. So good for good for us. Gotta be real. Gotta be real. But yeah, no, it just comes back down to like I feel like if these people who came out on the internet were like, hey, he's not a bad guy, were his real friends. They would have been like, hey, Chris, you need to delete your stuff for a little bit and you need to just kind of that's your real friend doesn't get on the Internet and tell you tell everybody else to be nice to you. They have a conversation with you about whatever is being criticized. Real friends. How many of us, you know, how many jealous? Um, But so anyway, we were talking about the echo chamber and like the conversation around like retweeting or supporting things that you believe in. And it reminded me of a couple weeks ago when beyond type one launched getinsulin.org, which I think is important for us to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. A resource that connects all of the assistance programs through one single like gateway clearinghouse type of experience. Uh, of course, these are pharma funded programs and, and it is a pharma made part with assistance from the pharmaceutical companies because their programs and APIs are connected to it, which is part of it. Um, so when that was launched, even though I think objectively we would both agree, um, and again, not to make this pod an echo chamber, we would both agree that increasing the likelihood that someone who is in need of insulin can get it quickly and easily is a good thing. Um, but also in the same vein, say like this is not remotely a solution to the insulin affordability crisis here in the United States. Uh, but again, we've got to do what we can to help people where they are uh, immediately at times. So again, uh, not above criticism. I think, I think facing criticism, even personally of like, oh yeah, you know, in these conversations that I'm being invited to, to, to speak on even outside of diabetes, bringing up insulin access and affordability is an important, easy thing that I can continue to do, uh, that wouldn't have been on my radar all the time if, uh, if it hadn't been brought up. So I think criticism is good, but what I saw and back to this echo chamber thing was at a certain point there were there was a lot of negative feedback from people on Twitter and some on Instagram about mm-hmm. getinsulin.org and then there was a shift when an account a few accounts started posting about the privilege of being able to condemn a resource for right. for people and and then I saw a lot of echo chamber in that as well of once people see something they agree with they then support it and throw their support, but they share it. They're sharing graphics. They're, you know, they're commenting. They're saying, yes, queen. They're, you know, putting the, the hands, you know, the, uh, the raised hands emojis in the comments. They're doing it. Um, and, you know, I thought, I thought at that point too, it's like, isn't this just a really interesting internet case study of why we're, you know, in, in the political situation that we're in, that's so bipartisan, there's this chasm growing between sides of an issue and social algorithms work to grow that. And like there's a there's a documentary on Netflix, it's kind of like a drama documentary called The Social Dilemma that talks about how social algorithms work 
it feeds you what you like. So it knows like when you are sharing and when you are commenting, like the things that you like, and it won't show you off other viewpoints because it knows you don't like them. So it's just a really interesting, you know, point of view. So, you know, I, I think something that we've been doing with my strategists and my content creators on the agency side is to better understand our target customers in some of our you know, different brands, we're creating Finsta accounts based on the accounts that they would follow to try to encounter information and kind of walk in their shoes. So if you're a 36 year old woman who lives in Ohio in a, you know, family values, conservative, grew up conservative, goes to church, et cetera, we're going to follow accounts on that account to see what you're seeing. Because even if I was her next door neighbor, I would see different things on social. You and I could pull up our feeds and we would see yeah. probably like 20% of the same things. Right. So, um, what that does is a lot of times, I think for me, it, it makes me realize, oh, um, my feed is maybe, you know, not as inclusive or maybe it's, maybe it's more just high end luxury streetwear. And it's like, maybe I should pull in some other, you know, points of view from time to time, um, just to make things different. And there was a viral tweet. It, it said this girl's dad like left her home or left his phone out with Twitter open. So she followed a few like far left, uh, influencer accounts, like male far left influencer accounts. And then like six months later, her dad was like, you know, I think we should abolish communism or we or should abolish capitalism. Brother. I love and, it. And I was just like, you know, like if you just hear some of the, the like points of view and think that you agree with them, um, or, or think it's someone that you agree with, like, Oh, I follow this person. Of course I should agree with what they're saying. Uh, it starts to change the way that you think. So, you know, that's something that I think about when, People are like, how can people believe this? My response is usually, well, they're probably only hearing one side of the equation and they, you know, are not going to encounter another side in a way that is, or it's in a format that they're actually going to be able to reformulate the way that they think about it. Yeah. I think that this is why dialogue is important. This is why perspectives are important. Um, if you are constantly only seeking information from people who look absolutely the same and are living the same type of life, then you're only ever going to get those opinions, right? So I think that you're right with the original thing with getinsulin.org and a lot of people who were low-key bashing it, just like, you know, where's the need for this? Why can't we just talk about insulin reform and essentially saying that the energy that was spent into making this resource was misspent. And I think that while it's a, maybe not fair, but interesting criticism to have, you know, you're allowed to have your point of view. It doesn't invalidate the fact that it is a resource that people do need it. And that the whole issue with insulin in this country is the access to it. So if that website helps even five people, then then we're all kind of fighting for the same thing. So ultimately, are you just mad for the sake of being mad? And if you're trying to make change happen, how are you doing that without a seat at the table? Like, how can you hate from outside of the club? You can't even get in. So I think that if people want to be able to have a conversation where change is actually going to happen, they have to let themselves be in these rooms because otherwise you're just so angry about the issue. You can't even see the end result for it. Like that forest for the trees thing again. Yeah. And I think at the same time, I think with membership and membership organizations, criticism is a part of a thriving membership organization and that memberships deserves an explanation. But after the explanation is given, I think it's like on that person to decide, okay, well, do I support this anymore or Mm -hmm. not? And so I think that's where, you know, I I am in support of resources that allow people to get insulin. However, I'm also not letting an organization off, off the hook by saying this is the end all be all, but all the communications that I've seen and, you know, all the communications that I've heard that's been delivered to me address that head on and say, yes, this is not a solution, but this is in the short term, this is a win that we can stack up in the right direction while we continue to work on legislation and we continue to work on these systemic issues right. um, that can move us forward. So, you know, and I'm trying to learn more about that as well in my drip newsletter uh, letter for the upcoming month for November. Uh, by the time we have another election cycle, which will be 2022, uh, we will have a diabetics doing things, local represent representative playbook for 
you to you listeners to go out and meet with representatives from your from your districts because a lot of the issues that people with diabetes focus are not partisan issues they are bipartisan they uh, affect people on both sides whether you're republican or democrat or libertarian or um you know a you know a part of the rogan verse uh if you get diabetes tomorrow uh you now pre-existing conditions are extremely important to you and your family affordable insulin is now extremely important to you and your family, no matter what your voting record was prior. So I think what I want is for, at least locally, because as I've learned and we talked about before, uh, we live in Texas, y'all. Most of the people who run the laws in this country are uh, basically butter sculptures at the Texas State Fair. Uh, They (laughs) they are absolute trash. (laughs) And they they wear like, you know, anyway weird clothes they churn milk uh and they're Uh, they're just conservative mouthpieces while we're talking about texas can i complain for one second uh yeah i I, let me i'm trying to remember exactly what i was going with that but like we're gonna hold we're gonna meet with them we're gonna talk to them about why it's important but yes go ahead and go ahead and talk to her dear greg abbott please stop making laws that exclude your own people you are in a wheelchair gregory stop it stop it also i i will also go to bat with that let's stop with the wheelchair jokes for greg abbott those are not appropriate either i think he is stupid enough without the wheelchair uh, to uh, exactly it's not a joke that he's in wheelchair i'm serious i'm dead ass stop making jokes against i mean stop making laws against the disabled when you are disabled that's my thing with him because i just uh, the clownery it is just too much it's an anti the whole anti lgbt lgbt legislation just all of it greg i would say have a seat if you weren't already sitting down i just want you to stop that's all if we're talking about texas and how it sucks as far as legislation and the people that are in charge honestly i feel like we're on the titanic and we have hit an iceberg and we're sinking but whatever it's just me <laughs> i'll stop now go <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, I've talked about at length and we'll continue to talk about getting involved locally is super important because those are the people who affect the laws that get written. So while it is of utmost importance, and if you are listening to this podcast and have not voted or do not have a voting plan, please email me and I will do it for you. If Uh, you're in Dallas, I'll drive you. Like, right. Mila was doing that. Mila Clark Buckley, shout out to her. She was offering to drive people to the polls. I am not joking. I will drive you. Let me know please hit up the DM because honestly, I can't, and we'll stop talking about voting now because I'm sure it's getting on everybody's nerves, but it's just, it's a lot to think about that. Yeah, the end. (laughs) A vote that I really did like though is that LeBron James won the 2020 NBA Finals MVP, which was extremely important to me and my life. Uh, IDK, my BFF LeBron, congrats on championship number four. Thanks for paying for lift rides for people to go vote. Thanks for all of, you know, using that platform. I think it's a great example of somebody who, uh, you know, learned and grew his platform to use it for good and things that he's passionate about and refuses to uh, get involved with all of the bullshit. Imagine winning an NBA championship the week that the president of your country called you nasty. Um, Nobody's had to deal with that before. So uh, shout out to you for taking the high road and uh, I mean, didn't he say something about nasty women or something? Not take away from LeBron, but doesn't I mean? Yeah, that's what he called Hillary. She was a nasty woman. Yeah, what's up? I mean, I'm good. LeBron is our king. Forever will stand. And I, I was actually listening to some podcast the other day that was like arguing that now he is like the best, like indisputably. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, I mean, we could argue that on another. What's What's interesting though is like I saw this MJ. Like they asked MJ that question in like 95 or something. And he was mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it's like comparing artists from different eras. Like there's so much like inspiration. It's like a discredit to the art. And I was like, wow, I've never heard that before from MJ. Like just do that. Like they're both so good. Um, but- I mean, isn't that what real, if you're actually good at something, isn't that how you should act? Like if you were the guy like, yeah, I am the best. Like if you were on that Mariah Carey, who is she even? I mean, that vibe is just so, ugh. so I'm glad Michael Jordan was classy about it. He sometimes isn't about questions he gets asked. So. Sometimes he takes it personally. <laughs> Get those kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Did he actually say that? I don't know, but his yeah, his behavior, he said it in his heart. He said. I mean, it I have heart. a T-shirt. I have a T-shirt with that meme that says that on it. So yeah, it's real. It happens. If, if there's one thing Michael Jordan can do, it's sell T-shirts. That's for sure. There you go, and shoes. Okay, well, that is the end of our National Diabetes Awareness Month uh, preamble pod. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Be sure to follow Eritrea and myself on Instagram if you don't already. Sign up for the drip. Uh, how do you like this new intro and outro music? Eritrea was like, yo, dude, you need to get on your producer shit and actually do some music. So here we are um, and continue to do things. And we will see you guys next month. Amazing stories from all over the world.